Console Crusade podcast. Let's count. We got to count in. <laughs> this is the Console Crusade Countcast. One, uh, 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 two, uh, 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 three. <laughs> Guys, it's a two-point game in Denver. Miami hanging on for dear life. Nick, I know you're especially concerned about how this is going to go tonight. Yeah, edge of my seat. Is it two? My stream must be behind. I'm showing 16-12. Console Crusade podcast, we got a lot of news to talk about. It's just been... This is way more than I expected. When this Samurai Games Fest... E3's back, baby. Without any of the sexual assault allegations and recording people in the bathroom. So far. Everyone's just doing their own streams. There's IGN reacting and kind of funny reacting. And I was like, this is so much better than having to like see selfies of these people in a stinky convention hall uh, with other people that I vaguely remember from the internet. So... I didn't realize it was going to be so goddamn big. Summer Game Fest. It was a lot smaller last year, yeah. World premiere. Jeff Keighley. And I mean, it was just like, I was like, oh, we're doing this now twice a year. Okay. I, I can get behind it. So anyway, EJ Olson, Nick Durheim. Shalom. Chris Gilly for little, little. I feel like every time we do one of these recaps, it's like, do we want to just recap everything? Or I took a list of notes of like what I thought was interesting to me or that I had thoughts about while watching. It is not comprehensive, but it is long. I never want to recap everything. That's just, <sighs> Me too, buddy. I like Me the too. like the you know, the big stuff with some little, you know, spice of that's cool. That could pan out down the line or don't know what they were thinking there at Fable. Uh I can't wait to talk about Fable because I feel like I'm in the minority uh when it comes to my thoughts on that and I think you and I might agree on it so it'll be it'll be nice but yeah let's just freaking go in order here we started off on god what day was that Thursday yeah Thursday last week uh with the summer game fest like I said Jeff Keeley freaking running the show it was like the game awards they had a whole live audience and the first thing I have on my list here is Prince of Persia which I have thoughts about having never played the game, but Nick, have you ever played a Prince of Persia game? No, but this looks like they saw Metroid Dread and were like, hey, we should do one of those with RIP. Exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah, go for it. I will buy this game. Yeah, this is the real deal. People are like super sold on it. It seems really tight. This is going to be a thread through like a lot of these games is the quote unquote controversies online, people on Twitter and Reddit and whatever. They're and not real. They're not real, but they, they are like blowing up the live chats on YouTube and Twitch. Like in real time as these things are happening. So Prince of Persia gets announced. It's got sort of that. When I first saw it, I thought like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like It looks like a Fortnite character skin. It does. The action sequences looked awesome from the gameplay. You know, this is from the team that did uh, the Rayman games, which are very well regarded. Oh, I loved Legends and Origins. They were strong, strong games. There's no reason to think that they can't do an action platformer. With swords, you know what I mean? So the gameplay reveal, I wish, I don't know, I haven't checked their channel to see if they've uh, like uploaded a version that isn't cutting back and forth between the guy talking and the actual right. like, gameplay. That was a little bit like, come on, show me the thing that's happening. It's like, looks cool. But when they started showing the the time reversal mechanic and stuff like that, it seems like, yeah, there's like a really interesting possibility space with the the moves that you can get. And the way they're selling it as like, a this is like a Metroidvania, like through and through. This is what we want people to know about this game. Is like we played Symphony of the Night, and yes, we're doing that. So seeing the the abilities, like the way you upgrade your character, not in like the stats, but in the different traversal mechanics, is what makes Metroidvania so interesting to me. 
So seeing that time thing in particular was like, that seems really cool. About the controversy, people were very quick to notice that they were not playing as the Prince of Persia that they knew from some of the more classic games. The more classic, like the 80s one? From like 88 or whatever that fuck it was. Right. Jordan Mechner, the creator of, of this franchise, tweets out, Hi, I understand there's been some controversy about what a Prince of Persia hero should look like. I think it's time for me to provide an official style sheet that everyone can refer to. Please see attached. I hope this helps settle things once and for all. And he just tweets a picture of every Prince of Persia protagonist, including Jake Gyllenhaal in the fucking movie. And it's just (laughs) basically a giant fuck you to everybody who's... I mean, there's purple hair on here. There's blue turbans. There's Jake Gyllenhaal. Come on. People are mad because it's a brown dude. Fucking bullshit. People have just start showing their whole ass on the internet in 4K. But looking at that list of like all the protagonists, I didn't realize there was even that many different iterations. Like I knew there was the old, like the super old, like PC version and like an Amstrad and ZX Spectrum, all the crap that we hear <laughs> old people talk about on the internet, but we've never even seen a picture of without like looking for it intentionally. But yeah, there's been a lot of iterations of this character over time. And just because you grew up with a certain look during the PS2 when Godsmack starts playing, does not mean that they can't like change the Bro. character occasionally. I liked the look actually of the Wii uh, version from Prince of Persia that they came out with after the game series had been a little bit dormant for a while because they made a movie and they're like, we need to make it look more cartoonish because we need to put this on the Wii. Right. So I think that's the one that's got like all the red. It's really colorful, really cool, like stylized, cell shaded, almost kind of look. But the new game looks cool. The new character looks tight, except for like, Feel how you feel about the very Fortnite look. I mean, that is a pervasive look. That is the look that people can just copy whole cloth and put any character into, which is whatever. And the fact of the matter is, like, all of these kids are playing Fortnite. Everyone is playing Fortnite. Like, that is, this is never going away until Fortnite goes away because that is a market that they want to tap into is getting kids who, like, that game looks like Fortnite. I'm a little I'm not old enough to know better as we've talked about like you know being young and stupid and playing Shrek Castle of the Castle for 20 hours one weekend cuz it's the only thing you have right It's smart I don't love it Let's open this can of worms in because this is a, a, another between the brown people and women pissing off all of the incels on the internet and the graphics not good conversation that's pretty much all the fucking timelines have been in the last 4 days So let's let's crack this open before we continue with these games the, the conversation about graphics, people saw this and they immediately said, oh, this looks bad. It doesn't look bad. It looks very stylized. It, it It's not, yeah, like you said, it looks like Fortnite. It looks like any like fun cartoon. And, and I think for some franchises, that works really well. I think for other franchises, Cough, Mega Man, Cough, I don't like that 3D look. Like, it just doesn't fucking work for me, you know? But, like, this looks like a fun, colorful comic book manga sort of come to life kind of thing. It's a children's game. There's no reason. I mean, look at Nintendo. Obviously, every fucking game they put out is a hyper stylized. There's nothing realistic about what Nintendo does. No one's complaining that Nintendo games look, you know, I mean, people complain when they look bad from a a technical standpoint, like Zelda is beautifully stylized. People complaining about what this game looks like. It's incredibly stupid. And looking at games like we'll talk about Starfield later, like this push to like hyper realism I think it's fine if you can create a style that is distinct, but all of these games, they're all built in the same fucking engine or an offshoot of the same fucking engine, and they all end up looking the same, and the hyper-realism looks so goofy. Like, look at Fable. 
You know, like I, I just thought it looked so goofy how the face. I mean, like, uh, I, I think back to like Skyrim. That was a game that was not trying to be hyper realistic. You can picture what a Skyrim character should look like. There's no uncanny valley the way we're seeing now. And so I'm all for, I mean, there's a reason a game like Wind Waker has, has stuck with me all these years. You like being the one Zelda game that isn't trying to, whatever realistic quote unquote fucking looks like in any given era. They were like, oh, we're just going to do something completely different. Fun, stylized, evergreen. I was very tired of the conversation by, by the end of the weekend here. I think it would be more successful if it wasn't so uh, safe. It feels like they wanted to do uh, cartoony and stylized, but they have to fit that into something that's marketable, which the only thing that's marketable is the Fortnite sort of design language and the proportions and the, the whole sort of essence of it. You can look at it and you, and you see blatantly like that's what the inspiration is, which is unfortunate because they could take bigger leaps and they could be more interesting with it, which I would be a fan of, but I understand that that is not their intent. They want to be marketable. Still, they're a company who's trying to sell a game. And I would say this isn't a game. I don't think this is a game for kids. This is a game for dads with kids. And I think that's a little bit different because you have to appeal to like this game isn't going to come off as hyper violent, even though they had like a bunch of cool action scenes. This dude's like slitting the Achilles tendons of giant like orcs and shit. And it's like violent, but it's like approachably violent. The kind of violence that you can show to a kid and they're like, ooh, that's scary. That's, Approachably that's, that's like, violent. That's good. Exactly. I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, you watch Hercules and it's not violent, but it is violent. Like, this dude's fighting monsters and shit. But I think that's sort of the essence that it's going to. No one's going to watch this trailer and be like, ooh, dad, can I get that? Because they'd rather, you know, play the free game that's a, a, a sure thing and they can play with their friends. But it's sort of like the approachability factor of it. So my only input to sum it all up is like, be more interesting this is just kind of safe yeah and that's what make wind waker such a gigantic success is they took a massive risk that initially got absolutely derided from every corner and that has only gotten better with age in ways that other 3d zeldas uh have not been able to it is a timeless fucking aesthetic and it's only because they went so big that they could do something that would be so memorable so i feel yeah i feel that i feel that that's like Everything's a Fortnite clone. Nothing's a Fortnite clone. But if you're going to hew that close to it, deservedly, people are going to go like, really? Like, okay, yeah. Especially coming from the team that brought us the Rayman games. Like, the UB Arts games are beautiful. And, like, the 2D sort of, like, they were actually 2D animated. Like, this is the, you know, 2D plane, but 3D character models. So that's a little bit easier to develop. Obviously, it's not as expensive to, doing 2D stuff is really hard to do. So, but if this was like a high budget guacamole, I think that would be much more striking and much more interesting and appealing to me. But I also like know that I am in the minority there. See, that's a much more nuanced take. Took me a lot more than 140 characters. <laughs> graphics bad or, you know, graphics childish is just way to, way to contribute to the conversation, you know, like just fuck off. And already like a million times better than what they showed of the Sands of Time remake a couple years back, which they immediately had a shit can and start from scratch because it was so atrocious. Yeah. Just to look at, like immediately you see a single frame of that game. You're like, that's not good. <laughs> that's knee jerk. <laughs> right. Let's move to Mortal Kombat one. Uh, we got a little bit of, uh, we got a, I think a date reveal coming out in September. It's a reboot of the franchise narratively. What does that mean? I don't play these games, but I know people who do I listen to podcasts of people who do. So I know that in Mortal Kombat what was it, 11 was the last one had to do with fighting a time god 
And from the ending of that, there was like multiple endings based on who you played as in the campaign, because obviously Mortal Kombat. But each time you would beat the time god, it would be like, oh, we're we are changing the past to what you want the the reality to be like. So that was like the that was the conceit of it. So then their canon sequel of it is this is one of the characters, their reversion of uh, history and like changing the past and then becoming a like an elder god kind of character. And what that means as far as like, oh, so we have Scorpion and Sub-Zero, these characters that we all know and we all know that they're from like the same clan. They're like ninjas, you know, Mortal Kombat, obviously. But like this time, because of the time shenanigans, they're homies instead of being mortal enemies. And you get different sort of change ups from that. So it's like a continuation, but a reboot at the same time. So that's kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah, Liu Kang in, I, I can't remember if it was a DLC ending or just like his ending that um, he steals the Time God's powers from, oh, what the fuck's his name? Shao. Chronica. Shao Kahn. <laughs> the dank nug. No, the, the main, like, <laughs> Shao, Shao Kahn, something Kahn, I don't know. From the, the big bad. He, he steals it from him. And so, yeah, Liu Kang is, has become the, the god of fire and is soft rebooting the universe as he sees it. Um, and I think Raiden is one of the like young fighters he's recruiting in lieu of Liu Kang because he's obviously like the Raiden figure in this timeline. Um, God, that game looks so pretty. Like I love the art direction for these characters. Like they've streamlined things that like simple, clean lines that are telling like clear stories about these people. Uh, the fatalities look absolutely like gut turning, which is what you gotta want from a Mortal Kombat game. How do they keep coming up with things that get increasingly more violent and ridiculous? Like, I thought MKX was, like, the peak. I don't know. I, I, I'm i a, like, casual Mortal Kombat fan. I've played plenty of them. Brendan and I got really into MKX for a few months there. Uh, hopefully, maybe in the next week or two, hopefully we'll be able to have our buddy Max on, who is a massive Street Fighter fan and a massive fighting game fan in general. He talked my head off for an hour the other day about like how amazing Street Fighter 6 was and all these different changes and all these different things. And and for me, it's like I played Street Fighter. I was really into Marvel versus Capcom back in the day. I don't know enough to like explain the difference. Like I don't understand the systems deeply enough to to differentiate necessarily. It's like, okay, combos are easy to pull off in this one game. The time you have more time in something Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter, so you have to be less less precise. Something like Tekken, where like it's easy to understand for a newbie because like left hand is on triangle and right hand is on circle or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and it's like very clearly, it's very easy to figure out like this button punch, this button kick. You know, I haven't gone full dumb dumb on fighting games before, but it looks good. They're introducing the cameo system, which is just kind of Marvel versus Capcom or like Dragon Ball fighters. Oh, we didn't have time to fully build this character out. Uh, but you can choose them and they'll come in and fucking add to your combo. In the Switch version, they have Waluigi as a cameo. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Stop. Cameo with a K, mind you. That's not real. Is that real? No, that's not real. <laughs> but it'd be funny, right? <laughs> it'd be fucking amazing. Wow. Uh, <laughs> beats them to death with a golf club or a tennis racket. or. So here's my question then. And this is the eternal pessimist in me, but... We saw something like Smash Bros. Ultimate, and we make a lot of Smash Ultimate jokes, and everybody's here. Uh, and they did do DLC where they're adding new characters, but Smash Ultimate launched with everything 
every character this franchise has had, they're here and it is awesome. And then we're just going to keep giving you more and more and more. Why aren't we seeing fighting games do this? Is it strictly so we can sell them back to you? Is it a time thing? I mean, Street Fighter V came out eight years ago or something, right? 15 was that? Uh, why, why are we getting these games with 10 or 12 characters and not fucking 40? I, 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 don't, I know balancing a fighting game is very complicated, but uh, they've been doing it for 20 years. I don't know. No, that's just it, is that Nintendo does not believe that Smash Bros. is a fighting game. And that is they and you, you know, we all know that they that's have crazy. historically outright not only like resisted the label but have outright been hostile towards like aspects of the smash circuit they've never ponied up prize winnings but sakurai is still making a fighting game and balancing a very intricate fighting game but he but he's not and i don't think that's ever been the philosophy they're like this is a party brawler it is not a fighting game because like something like mortal Kombat one right if they had a hundred fighters or like whatever ridiculous number smash ultimate got up to 60 70 like how many people are actually in that fucking game it's like 80 80 plus and then like different echoes and stuff like that can you imagine a mortal Kombat game that tries to balance 80 fighters like the development team will die like they literally will just like rot in their seats and have to be carried out there's not time there's just not time <laughs> and i, I wish just- they would give us like smash one I thought that's what they were going to do with Smash for Switch until they announced the title. When it was just Smash Bros is coming, I was like, pare the fucking roster down, give us like 25 fighters again, balance the game. That's what I would like to see from the next outing as a total aside. Uh, but they that's just not, it's not their philosophy. Like it's a party game. It's not a fighting game. It is a fighting game, but... I don't think a fighting game benefits from a maximalist approach of more characters equal more better uh just make a fun game and give us some like cool options and when a game series gets to above 10 you have a long list of history and people to pull from but not all of that is worth going back to and i I feel like netherrealm in particular has been very good in their choices in the characters they go back to you don't really see a lot of discussions online of like man i wish they hadn't put this character in it's always people saying, yeah, I wish they did put this character in, but that's different than like complaining about who they did put in. So it's good to leave the fan base like hopeful and like wanting more, but you don't need a hundred characters in the game. I mean, Smash Ultimate didn't need everyone is here. It was just amazing and they pulled it off and it's like crazy, but they didn't need to do that. I think the next Smash game, if it has 40 characters, has 20 characters. That's like fine. I would love that. I don't even know what what's the full roster on. Have, have they have they shown the full roster? I know there's been like leaks about some of the guest characters that there's, that there's going to be in the game, but not necessarily who's been confirmed. No, there's fully. I think there's like 10 confirmed characters, but it's not comprehensive. They could do a fatality video for every weekend until this game comes out and they would get like millions of views like this. This game's going to sell itself. It's going to be crazy. Mortal Kombat 11 sold bonkers numbers. What does this mean for Tekken? No shot that comes out in 2023, right? <laughs> but what if it does? What if we got the What a year tr- for what fighting if we got games. the Trinity Tekken, Mortal Kombat. And, yeah. yeah. That would be uh, When's the last time that happened, I wonder? If ever, like the arcades in 96, 97. All right, 96, 97. I'll say 01. I feel like there was some weird like Tekken tag tournament shit going on at that time. Yeah, PS2 had a lot of weird, well, 
what is a Mortal Kombat game? Because there's been like a weird list of here's the 3D one where they started using knives and stuff or Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kart Bat. What was the one that had the, the kart racing? As far as, you know, the smash conversation as we get derailed here. Well, we have to talk about it in terms that we understand. Right, right, right. You know, with the, the baby food for us <laughs> while the adults sit at the table eating Street Fighter steak and Mortal Kombat uh, beer and wine. In my eyes, and this is maybe ignorant of me, but like Smash Bros has been a very linear progression from the N64 to the Nintendo Switch. They have continuously built upon what has come before. They've balanced things. They've changed things to differentiate characters. Obviously, game modes come and go. But as far as the core experience, like, okay, things get a little quicker. Things get a little slower. We They introduce tripping, and they, they're playing with the formula to try and perfect it, but it is been a logical evolution every step of the way. And so to me, it's like, yeah, all the characters are here because they're not reinventing the wheel. They're taking everything they did on the last game that took how many years to make, and they're just tweaking things. And don't talk to me about, oh, it's not a fighting game. Sakurai nerfing my Meta Knight, my Bayonetta, and, you know, there's clearly a level of care where they want that game to be balanced and and fun for anybody of any level and doing that especially because of the variability and like how approachable it is for newcomers and it's a very daunting task probably more daunting than a street fighter game even though street fighter has a much more dedicated competitive scene i don't know that's my thing is like how different can street fighter 6 be from 5 why isn't the blueprint there for them to build on and and i don't and maybe this is a question for max if we talk to him next week all right i have the answer ooh Chris with the deep research. <laughs> Had to pause the stream to look up some dates on Wikipedia. <laughs> I did. I I did what? Y'all were riffing. It was good. It was all covered. Uh, it was, in fact, uh, 1997. The last, what I'm considering a proper release uh, in which we got Tekken 3, Mortal Kombat 4, and Street Fighter 3 in the same calendar year. Yeah, it had to be early on. Those games are coming out much more frequently. Yeah, the arcade times especially. Yeah, massive gaps in Street Fighter uh, and Tekken, Tekken after especially. the 2000s. Yeah, and I was like, no, Mortal Kombat Advance does not count as a main release as much as I would love for it to be later. <laughs> I would have counted like the three different uh, Street Fighter 3s as a like main line. I think second, second Impact and Third Strike are pretty big advances to those games. Yeah, totally. Or the Alpha games as well. Like those are... Those are Street Fighter games. They just take place in a different timeline. Oh, yeah. Like further back. It's weird, different characters. And nobody talks about Street Fighter 2. They talk about Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Like, that is what or made... Super Street Fighter 2. Yeah, yeah, that's what made that series what it is. Let's move on to Dead by Daylight. No, I was at work. I, I did not watch the, the Summer Game Fest stuff at all. I just... I caught the, the headlines as oh, it Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, same. So, Jeff Keighley... It's just yucking it up on stage, being some combination of awkward and charming uh, in a very creepy way. You know, Jeff Keighley, he brings up Nick Cage. People give a little cheer and then he says, "What? who better to ask? And people think a developer is going to come out on stage. And he literally introduced Nicholas fucking Cage at Summer Game Fest. He comes out and bro, I got to tell you, that man was selling this game. Did you guys watch the clip of this, Nick? Did you see this? No, but he's a charming ass dude. I mean, a museum of horror. I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. You go, Nick Cage. Did you see the unbearable weight of massive talent? No, I, I did would not. love to because that's like two of the most likable people 
on the planet right now, just hanging out with each other for a couple hours. Nick Cage of Pedro Pascal. And it basically is like a buddy comedy with those two with many other elements. But the whole conceit of that film, if you're not familiar, listeners, if you're not familiar, is Nick Cage plays himself. Uh, more specifically, he plays like the version of himself that people think Nick Cage is commonly. So he's playing like the idea of himself, but he also plays like different aspects of himself at different point. Like he has this internal voice called Nikki. That's like the young hot shot can't miss Nick Cage in his heyday, who is like still psychologically like fucking him up and convincing him. He's still this guy. Um, at, at that point, I was just like, he is just willing to do whatever and to just really go like balls to the wall with it. And that movie is so goddamn funny. Like I can't even begin to tell you how fucking funny that movie is. He's playing himself supposedly in this dead by daylight. Is it an expansion? I think it's an expansion. That's DLC. And, uh, he, he got up there and he, he talked about his love for horror and dropped some, uh, some deep horror lore uh, and and made some puns about the gameplay, and you know, uh, I I was like, all right, you'll be hooked on my gameplay. Literally, the game. He he made a fucking hooked pun, and it was good for him, dude. Fucking good for him. Like this was no Chris <laughs> Pratt being like, I love stomping on goombas. goombas. <laughs> I look away from the mic to read the notes that are taped to the side of my webcam. Uh, no, this man was selling it, and I appreciate that. And for Dead by Daylight fans, good for you, man. How is that game still relevant in 2023, besides dragging Nick Cage into it, I guess? I don't know, man. It's wild. Kids, man. My little cousin uh, and yeah, my little brother weird, play this right? shit. Like, yeah, man, I don't know. Briefly, Spider-Man 2, we got a release date, 10-20-23. Why didn't they show this? Why did they just... Tell the date at the Sony thing two weeks ago. Probably because they had committed to Summer Game Fest and they had to like do something. Money. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for Chris. I talked about this last week, but but Brian Innerhart confirming that that Venom is not Eddie Brock, which leans into a few of my fan theories. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, but I'm stoked. I thought the previous game pretty much confirmed. Yeah. The, it's the like Venom identity. The ending of the game shows Redacted getting taken over by the symbiote or at least interacting with it is this a surprise for people so 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 so, so spoiler alert spider-man one so the whole game you're getting like voice memos from harry osborne your best friend and obviously his dad uh norman is like a part of the story uh he's like the fucking mayor right is he the mayor yeah and so you understand uh there's this like side plot you understand that harry is like away but you uncover that he was actually sick and he went away for treatment and at the end the sort of reveal about Harry was that Norman Osborn has him in his little fucking laboratory. Basically he's got a little back to tank with fucking with the symbiote. So, so Harry's being treated by the symbiote, whether that is of alien origin or, or some sort of sci-fi mumbo jumbo. Harry is not going to be venom. Harry is not going to be venom. I've been saying that since that reveal, Harry's not going to be venom. I have a couple of theories as to who it might actually be. Who do you think it's going to be? Like, I just, I, I'd be shocked if they don't it's go for ganky. that route. <laughs> I just, it's ganky. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um, no. The venom in the chair. No, I think that would be too obvious and safe. I think we're going to get Harry Osborn back, and I hope we get to deal with some of his PTSD and stuff. I think it's a really interesting way to introduce the symbiote, like the whole concept of like you know when Spider Man wins, Peter loses kind of thing, and he's going to save the day, but like he's got to like make some. St- tough decisions about his best, his best friend. And no, I think it would be too easy to just be like, all right, Harry's the new venom. And no, I think it's an awesome way to introduce it. I hope they don't 
fully commit to that bit. I th- I had a few ideas of who maybe it could be that would be kind of interesting. One of which being Norman himself. It's like, do we really want to do the whole Green Goblin thing again? But the one thing I appreciate the most about Spider-Man 2018 and Miles Morales is the way that they take the source material and they kind of do what Bendis did with the Ultimate Universe. They're able to reinvent it in such an interesting way, but it is still a love letter to fans, even though it is clearly like, well, that's not the same thing that I grew up with. Well, no, it's not because that would be boring, but it is still done in a way that honors what came before it, but sort of tweaks uh, some things in a way that you're actually on the edge of your seat. And I fucking love that. The Insomniac universe does that so goddamn well. So I'm really excited for this. But that's all they showed. They showed a splash screen and a date. They didn't really talk about it, show anything else. That was it. It's going to be hairy. I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it in the fall. I'm going to play the first one in the fall. Uh, it's going to be one of my days, one of my rotation days. It's a very good game. Very easy platinum. My first platinum trophy ever. That's what started you on this dark path. Yes. Many, many platinums ago. Okay, here we go. Nick, have you watched anything about Liza P? No, I saw that they have a demo available. I thought maybe I could check that out sometime. I watched a, I don't, can't remember the guy's name. I, I saw clips from Andy Cortez from Kind of Funny, who is a big Souls guy. And he's he streams he streamed all through all of the Souls games. He's very happy. He says this is the demo. He said this is the best Souls-like I've played, which bodes well. The long play that I watched, or as long as the demo could be, but I watched a, a kind of skim through, I guess, a complete play of the demo. The PC performance was flawless. That's surprising. Yeah, it seems like that's one of the things that a uh, small dev with their first time, like big sort of game would uh, struggle with setting a PC performance in particular. Yeah. I, I obviously can't speak to like Bloodborne. I mean, I played it, but I don't, I don't know these games well enough uh, to, to really talk about it, but it seems like Bloodborne to me with a little more to my eye, like personality because of some of the, the Timothy Chalamet uh, stand in for the main character. Exactly. Right. And like all the enemies being like fucking, some combination of like toys to life and other creepy fucking toys to life. <laughs> yeah, dude. Disney infinity, <laughs> Captain America and his fucking <laughs> Skylanders show up. <laughs> yeah. Spyro. It looked good to my eye and people are happy about it. Um, this is going to absolutely not that there was much hope of, uh, well, especially Chris, but, but even myself coming back in the whammy league, this will cement Nick's victory by a very large margin. I've had like two of the most votiest votey games of the year. Bro, well, you <laughs> the only thing I missed was Redfall. You counterpicked this, right? Chris picked this yeah, up. So yeah, you're gonna, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm in like deep, deep, deep first. <laughs> yeah, like it's you're gonna get like 25 <laughs> points on this fucking goddamn piece of shit game. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I think the Wody uh, trophy should be the Korok poop. As a statue. <laughs> you have to earn that. If you win, we already know what we're getting you. Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay, good. I'm just saying that's that's my contribution to this. Uh, we'll you get go. you a three a three D printed Korok shit trophy with Wody embossed on it. That's what you're gonna get if you win the regular league, motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> Even better. Uh Akira Toriyama, Sandland. No clue what this game is supposed to be. It looks like a Toriyama, but also shitty. I thought this game got announced slash shared sometime last year. Maybe I knew there was a Sandlight a- adaptation being done, but it's like, A, I don't know anything about the manga. It's manga, right? It's just a, like a one shot sort of yeah. short novel, I guess. Yep. And B, like like you said, there's no gameplay. Did they show gameplay? Like, what are you doing? You're just wandering around the sand. You're just doing, you're being a Goku in the in the desert. Like, that's cool. People love that shit. Sandland really shows off 
like Akira Toriyama's love for vehicle and vehicle design. That's tight. There's a lot of that in the book and I assume going to be a large element of the gameplay, but it's, I, I mean, yeah, there's nothing really to glean from this other than, oh, holy shit, that's Toriyama. Cool. Whatever. Next year? Or did they have a year on it? Uh, I don't I don't know if they had a year. I didn't put a year in my notes because I, I either missed it or didn't. Yeah. Chris, have you played Alan Wake? Have I asked you this before? Uh, you have not and I have not. I never played a horror game really until uh, I did RE2 this year. Well, Alan Wake is looking like Resident Evil. <laughs> I heard it's very Twin Peaksy, the first one, and that game got a remaster really recently, didn't it? Yes, like last year. I might have to play both of these then. It seems like your vibes. Twin Peaksy is definitely how I would probably describe. You would really like Control as well, uh, also from Remedy. Oh, God, yeah, that's that's fucking happening for sure. Well, they're all part of the same universe. Now you have to fucking, if you're going to play on Lake 2, you got to do it all. Um, so from my understanding, this is this is their first foray into proper survival horror. Yes. And they're doing this, the dual protagonist thing, like very Resident Evil, right? More like prescribed, like changing between the two characters, which Resident Evil does occasionally, but primarily what they've done in past entries is like you have a route where you play as one character and then you do another one. I think specifically to RE2. Yeah. I believe they also did that with Resident Evil 3 and um, RE4 had a expansion or like the Ada Wong stuff was added later. I don't think that was like a full game. No. And then five or six, I think, was like a really weird sort of chapterized here you're playing as this character and here you're playing as this character but that game is widely derided so i'm not sure but yeah i mean multiple protagonists is sort of a resident evil element but i think it's interesting that they're doing a sequel where you're playing as the character the titular character but also a like fbi agent who's investigating this dude who's got like weird stuff happening around him very x-files vanished into Super excuse me excuse me excuse me it's very Twin Peaks. Okay. Vanished into of the, an FBI the magical world of darkness. Coming into the woods, <laughs> basically, to find someone who's vanished into a dark, like, reflective, reflection of our own world. Like, the woods in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Ah, this, is, this is fucking Twin Peaks. This is, and, and I love, X-Files is absolutely like a godchild of Twin Peaks, as is much of, like, science fiction, supernatural uh, television media. I could go on, but this is not the console crusade Lynch cast. Uh, I'm going to play the shit out of this game. I don't need to be buying more games, but I'm gonna. <laughs> oh man. I was going to avoid the, it looks very Lynchian jokes, but you guys just took it right there for me. It is what it is, brother. Whenever something looks vague and, and uh, nondescript and also dumb, it's very Lynchian to me. Brennan is extremely stoked for this game. As both a survival horror fan and an Alawake fan, I don't know. I think it, like the idea of like, oh, you're an investigator and like you're solving a mystery instead of just killing waves of zombies, like that's cool. Much more tasteful. And if I'm going to play a horror game, EJ, this game is too scary for you immediately. Yeah, I've been playing Diablo Four all week. That's too scary for me. <laughs> yeah, dude, what class are you playing? Oonga Boonga. Oh, you're playing a barb. Are you going to make a, another character for when I get back and start playing weekly? Yeah. Thousand percent, Brennan. I've been pretty into it. Um, That's good because I'm going to play Barb also because I don't know how to play Diablo yet. I'm literally smashing A through this entire experience. I don't. I, I played like a day of Diablo two. I played a day of Diablo three, and I played two hours of Path of Exile, which is basically Diablo two, and never really took hold. But everyone's talking about Diablo four, and everyone's playing it, and so I said, "Fuck it. If y'all buy it, I'll buy it." 
And anyway, so that's what we've been doing. But yeah, that shit's too scary for me, and it's not even scary. <laughs> Lilith is scary hot. Yeah. So, okay, after Alan Wake here, Final Fantasy VII, uh, my only note is, looks kind of bad to me, but Chris, take it away! Oh my god, this game looks so fucking good. <laughs> oh, it looks so good. Oh my god, okay, so, uh, this is a Nomura joint, and so... Like it's gonna it, it's gonna be dimension bending, timeline bending. Like spoilers for Final Fantasy VII remake. It's a few years old at this point, but the end of the game sees you functionally killing fate. Like you literally fight aspects of Cloud, Tifa, Barrett, and Aerith uh, before fighting Sephiroth uh, in his sort of progression through his different iterations. Uh, way earlier in the timeline of Final Fantasy VII than you ever would have, with the implication being that. Sephiroth seems to have some understanding of the fact that he needs to interfere with canon events, dare I say. Um, got across the Spider-Verse was so fuck good. Um, uh, in order to g get what he wants, question mark, it's not clear, but they have given themselves like a blank slate. And then there's also the Bob Shell at the end of uh, the end of remake that uh, in some timeline because of the events of remake zach survives the uh survives the assault that kills him in the original game and is alive in some timeline carrying cloud towards midgar so we open with this trailer of seeing uh the bodies of barrett tifa red 13 and Aerith getting bundled into ambulances and seems to strongly imply like we, we don't see cloud there for a reason. And at the end of remake, they get out of Midgard just fine. Like the avalanches efforts were a success. So it seems like they're already setting us up for this is the Zach timeline uh, where because cloud doesn't take Zach's sword and sort of sponge up some of his memories because of his head injuries and exposure to Mako uh, that he was never there. Uh, and things are sort of uh, falling out that way. We get a look at like a lot of the outdoor environments. Now we're getting into like a bigger world map out of uh, Midgar, which was like eh, not really linear, but like it's pretty contained by design, right? Like they're slums most of the time. Um, and then, you know, we're getting to the world map. It looks beautiful. Uh, we're getting at least another two playable characters of the form of Red 13 and Yuffie. Uh, Yuffie was in the Intergrade uh, DLC, which I still need to play. Um, now that I have a PS5, um, have is sort of a tenuous descriptor to have, but not to hold for it is in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like my wife, I'm so lonely. Oh, um, buddy. uh, anyway, my wife, my wife. <laughs> so, uh, we also get a, a quick shot of what pretty clearly looks like the high wind docked, uh, so we're probably going to see Sid, which is tight because he's so I love that like crusty son of a bitch and he's a spear user. So I respect it. Anyway, the big the big bombshell to come out of that trailer besides the like which timeline are we in and where did it fracture uh, is uh, Sephiroth strongly implying that he that he killed Tifa at Niflheim, Nibelheim, Nibelheim. I don't know how they pronounce it in the trailer. Um which does not happen in the original Final Fantasy VII. He wounds her, but Cloud comes in and and uh, kills Sephiroth, so he thinks, on his own sword and gets Tifa mm -hmm. to safety. Um, so he's like, I killed her, so who's that? And that's the end of the trailer. 
And it could be like Sephiroth mindfuckery, just trying to like manipulate Cloud. Like there's a lot of discourse about like, oh, this is just a way that he's trying to get the black materia from Cloud to summon Meteor. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because again, Tetsuya Nomura, this, this is the Kingdom Hearts motherfucker. Like that would be the easiest, most simple way to uh, do that. And that just doesn't seem like something he's interested in doing. It seems much more likely to me that wherever this Sephiroth came from, he is well aware of the fact that what he tried last time did not work. And so he's trying to upset the canon and jar the timeline to see if he can be successful. And whether that's for like the goal that he says in Advent Children, which is to like infect the planet and use it as a vessel and sail through space in it, which is some anime ass anime shit for sure. As I say it out loud for the first time in a long time um, or something else, it's not clear, but I think that there's a strong likelihood that we're going to at least be seeing like some meaty cutscenes in what I'm calling the Zack timeline, which branched when Sephiroth interrupted things in remake. We're pro- I would be surprised if we don't like play as Zack for more than a little bit. I just think it's too rich to not, unless they're saving it for part three, we may get some timeline hopping or timeline bleeding. I think it's very likely that Aerith is not going to die. I personally, I thought since remake that they're going to murk Tifa. Um, like somebody's got to die and they're really like sewing the two of them close together and a lot of the changes and additions that they made. So anyway, boy, howdy, I am like out of wind to keep talking, but I'm so fucking excited for this game. It looks, <laughs> combat looks great. I, I love this story. I love wibbly wobbly dimension folding bullshit. Like I get off on it. I eat it up. It is my air. It is my lifeblood. And this is giving me all of it. <laughs> you sort of talked about the name, you know, and how that ended up sort of being, you know, a little telling about how they've structured this game. But this is essentially a retelling or a reimagining of Final Fantasy VII. It is. Yeah, it's it's almost what if we could do whatever we want with this property, knowing how deeply entrenched the original game is in the zeitgeist and the collective consciousness of gamers. Um, if we take that as like a baseline that everybody who's going to play this game is like, they know Final Fantasy seven, um, or damn near all of the people who are going to play that game. They know Final Fantasy seven. What can we do that will surprise them? What can we do that will be different? But how do we subvert their expectations? I mean, this is the same Square Enix that gave us Advent Children and Dirge of Cerberus and all the other Final Fantasy sevens. So it makes total sense that the remake would be just as batshit. And speaking of all those other sevens, uh, we also got a look. I don't think it was Thursday. It might have been at uh, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. What this is is a uh, a packaging. Put it on Switch. Come on. I know it's right there. It's a it's a mobile game. Uh, there's no like um, stamina system, so to speak, for like doing missions. So you can just like literally do missions. But it is every single final f- compilation of Final Fantasy VII game uh, redone into like a mobile friendly version that you can play through much quicker to get the full events of everything that happens in the story. So it's going to go through, uh, crisis core. It's going to go through before crisis. It's going to include first soldier, uh, which I think was, I think that was a mobile game in Japan only that you play as like all the different Turks. Uh, it's going to have dirge of Cerberus. It's going to have advent children. It's going to have the original final fantasy seven, of course. So you'll be able to get, and I've never played dirge of Cerberus. I own it. And I've never, I've never played it. I bought it way after the PS2 era for like 15 bucks at a resale shop. People talk about it so glowingly. (laughs) 
Because it's like more weird Final Fantasy VII shit. And it's also Vincent who's so fucking cool. He's like so goddamn cool. And you just place him and shoot Out of the edge. <laughs> yeah. So that's also coming. Uh, and I will absolutely be picking that up so I could get that plot. Oh my God. There's so much Final Fantasy content. Like I get, I get a mainline Final Fantasy. Well, I get it in August. But the world gets a mainline Final Fantasy in like a week. Uh, we get seven rebirth in like six months. Uh, Ever Crisis is coming out anytime. I still have about the Crisis Core remaster, which I absolutely am going to buy to play through again. It's just like a good ass time to be me, like a Final Fantasy gamer. I haven't I haven't eaten as a Final Fantasy gamer in a minute, y'all. In a fucking minute. Oh, since 2020. Yeah. Wait, 2020 was a uh, Final Fantasy remake, right? Yeah. And it's still like that showed up. The special edition I bought on sale like showed up at my house and I stared at the box and was like, this what like this is this is this is really happening like that had been in the vapors for years and then it's just like there it was it was real and it was so fucking good it's kind of cool that they turned this game the sequel around in four years when it seems like it's so much bigger than the previous one and scope and like the locales and the areas you're gonna be traversing like that's awesome good for them it didn't surprise me i felt like once they had that like the world and the assets and the engine and like how they were doing does this it work? in-house they weren't making cyber connect to make it right exactly changed to unreal engine instead of their bad first party engine that they just like closed the studio that made it and are they is this a multi-platform release this is ps5 only right ps5 only pc later probably like six months to a year down the line and they also basically brought all that stuff over to a new console and developed it on a new console which is to say that like part three which is already in development uh, is probably going to come even faster than that. Maybe two years, maybe three from the release of this. It's amazing. <laughs> I love life. Like these are, ah, th- oh, it's E3 time. It's not E3, but it's E3 time. Chris, you've already answered this, but Nick, I'm, I'm curious. What's up? Are we sick of all the timeline, time travel, fuckery, the multi-dimensional in a, in a post end game post no way home I mean, Spider-Man, the animated is doing, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere now. Are we sick of this? Go ahead, Chris. I I see you just (laughs) mouth fucking that mic. Uh, I know Chris isn't specifically. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. So when it gets to time travel stuff and interdimension stuff, it's so easy to just take away all the stakes and be like, ah, just kidding. Oh, never mind. Like, sure. Uncle Ben's dead now, but what if in another dimension he's alive and you just like take away everything that you cared about for so long? Um, it's tar- it's hard to do. It can be done well, and when it is done well, it's done well because the characters are still treating death like a consequence, and that's something that I think the uh, Spider-Man movies, now the two of them, the, the Spider-Verse movies, treat really well and like really respect the consequences and the stakes that these characters are uh, going through. So I'm not sick of it per se. I think just like any sort of trope or trend, uh, if it's done badly, it's it's just done badly, but that's not like the fault of the trope or the trend. It's just a, the fault of the creators not being good enough. At some point you can't, I mean the, you know, flash is coming out now and they're doing the, some pseudo flashpoint thing. And Oh boy, that's going to be so bad. Speaking of doing it badly, I can't wait to see that this weekend and then shit on it next Monday when we record, but it won't be bad because it's a, like a, like a timeline thing. It'll be bad because the creators have to deal with their 
like WP overlords who have no idea how to like cherish and make a, th- a franchise thrive. So they're, they have the worst hand dealt to them and they just have to deal with it. And Ezra Miller, who's just absolutely out of it. Yeah. Ezra Miller's off the fucking rails. The previews have been glowing. The reviews have been slightly less so, but still positive, more positive than pretty much any recent Marvel movie, except for guardians like did well. So I don't know. I mean, that's that, that was baffling to me is DC has been the fucking the butt of all the jokes for the last, I mean, decade, you know, pretty much everything besides the first Wonder Woman movie was pretty dismal. Wonder Woman was fine. But yeah, a lot of it's been dismal. BVS and the second one was really bad. Never saw it. But I mean, pandemic times was that was like the first one that they released on streaming, right? Right. That that uh, yeah, it was, it failed was experiment. Very, very Poor bad. Poor Pedro. Oh, Pe- Pedro is more than made up for it since then. In the, as far as the public eye is concerned. Anyway. Uh, Making a living transporting young beings across desolate landscapes. It's weird that it's happened twice. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no. So uh, let's move on to this. I, I don't really know anything about this other than all the memes. Pokemon with guns. Pal world. We've got to be quick. We have a lot more to go through in the next hour. Yeah, Power Word's a meme. We don't have to talk about it. It's just like, whatever, flash in the pan. No one gives a shit. Move on. Like, the best thing they can ask for is to get sued by Pokemon Company. And they'll have a Kotaku article, and that's like the extent of their marketing campaign. Listen, I'll play this on principle. Just like you can make a game that looks good in the current year, and that's enough to... They didn't. I mean, it looks like what a Pokemon game by modern standards would look like. It looks like a, uh, what if Mario was an Unreal Engine 4 YouTube video? That's like, that's all it is. So you mean a game that looks good by modern standards? I, what's the problem No, it that? looks like an asset flip. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it does kind of look like the new Sonic game in that way. So I, I, I yeah, take your meaning. also look like an asset flip. Like, come on. Yeah, I take your meaning. Like, really? Are we going to talk about Twisted Metal and like a really cringe TV spot? Like, we don't have to talk about that. Sonic Superstars look cool. Yay, old Sonic. I'm excited. I will buy this game. Um, it looked like a real return to form. Uh, I love the art style. I think they struck a good balance between like what feels good uh, nostalgically and what looks good now. Uh, I love, uh, you know, four different playable characters. We get the like Sega CD Amy design instead of the Sonic Adventure Amy design, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, I... We, I think we ought, we talked about this on the top 100 games pod of like, would we want to go back to like uh, an old school Sonic in a modern setting? And after Mania, I was like, yeah, I don't know if they'll ever do it again, though. And like, here we are. So, damn. Yeah, I think it looks really good. The animation is really high quality. I want to watch it again with headphones because I just watched the, the trailer on my phone and I want to hear it. Like, I think that's a big part of Sonic's appeal is the sound design as well. So I, I need to listen to it. Uh, more thoroughly but i think it looks really cool i don't know how you do like a sonic game with multiplayer like a 2d sonic game that's like fucking the new super mario bros like that sounds awful people getting but left behind they, or running off screen yeah, and vanishing cool, like <laughs> exactly like it just seems like there's so many design conceits that they would have to uh then be chained to if they did it that way but i don't know i mean i think it looks nice i think I was not expecting a Sonic game this year. I thought it would just be like, oh, Frontiers, DLC, whatever. Yeah, this is more of like the past should stay dead. They've been trying to make Sonic relevant for decades, 
and good for decades. And he's super relevant. He's relevant with like I think a niche audience, but like critically, the movies are so popular. The cartoons are so popular. The comics are so popular. It's just the games are bad. <laughs> and they haven't done. They did Sonic Four like what fifteen years ago, and that was like oh, chapter based on iPhone only. Like what a disaster. Oops. They haven't done a, a proper Sonic. I mean mania, mania, but that was kind of like you know nostalgia hd remix deluxe by modders you know generations yeah and even that was sort of like eh, you know uh, it's 3d sonic that's been like the slow heat death of sonic the hedgehog like sonic primal sonic 2006 where he kisses a human sonic of the black knight you know sonic of the secret rings and just all the like kitschy fucking we wear crap uh no i'm here for this take my money it's one of those another instance where i'm like do we need to like do the cheap mobile game 3D graphics to like make it like, oh, it's a modern take on a classic? Like, why can't we just do a fucking amazing goddamn sprite based game? Why why are these companies so averse to that? They did do that. Sonic Mania. How did Sonic Mania do? Why are we doing this? Why aren't we just taking what the was The team that made it isn't making video games anymore because Sega is incompetent in most ways. So now they're doing the cheap thing, which is making a video game the, the regular way. Very mighty number nine. I don't like it. It's cheap. Oh, what? No, come on. That's, that, that is a low blow. I don't know if you've seen mighty number nine recently. That game but that's fucking like, sucks. And it looks bad. I mean, this game looks nice. I think it looks nice. Looks like the 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 last like couple Kirby games are like, yeah, it just has a nice art style. It has a good aesthetic. It has a good feeling. It looks like it's fun to play. You know, it's got that momentum. The physics that you expect from a Sonic game. The je ne sais quoi. Mm. Mm. It doesn't look like a mobile game to me. Uh, speaking of mobile games, I started playing Advance Wars on the Game Boy this week. And I always knew that I was like, oh, I'll just buy it when it goes on sale. I'll buy it on Switch. But I was like, I really hate the way that game looks. Just playing a solid tactics fucking game, 2D sprite based. I mean, it's just evergreen, man. It just it looks good. It feels good. I just I want more of that. Why it only exists in the indie space? Why it's other nostalgic thirty year olds that are making those games? Is it just that children they look at uh, sprite art and they say that's old? Yeah, it looks old and ugly. Kids these days, unless it's Stardew Valley or Terraria, in which case it's charming and quirky. <laughs> Stardew Valley is a game that I tried to go back to to get Sarah into when she was looking for like quaint, cozy games. Yeah, that's not a game though. That's a job. That's too yeah, much work. That's true. I thought it was kind of ugly, though. I was like, oh, yeah, this could definitely use an update. I've always thought that, too. But, you know, people love it. They want to date their gamer girlfriend in Stardew Valley. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's an awesome game, but uh, a little ugly. Uh, Xbox Showcase. This is the one everyone was waiting for. How many times in this podcast, guys, have we said, what does this mean for Microsoft? And it's been a lot of not great things. That's what it's meant. This seemed like a good showcase. People were happy. Yeah, overall, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty nice. It was fine. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quit coming at me. I'm sure Chris and I are going to ramble about this Fable trailer, but Nick, give me your thoughts on the Fable. Fable was interesting in that I thought that they wouldn't really just based on stuff going on Twitter beforehand. It seemed like the the games head like the heads of the studios and the heads of Xbox were were saying like you know guys. We're not going to do like all CG. Like this is, we're trying to focus on gameplay. 
And then they opened with Fable, which was largely rendered in game, like in engine, whatever. But that's not the gameplay. You're watching cutscenes at at the very least. And it was more of a tone piece, which that was the way they introduced it the first time around was a tone piece with like a, a weird, like glittery fairy getting killed and fart jokes, which is like, that is what Fable is. The, the, the things I know about Fable is that the dude who was the head of that company made a bunch of big promises and lied about everything. And that it was like quirky British fart joke humor and like chickens and stuff like that. And that's pretty much it. Like that's my extent of Fable knowledge. And it seemed like this was a return to quirky British humor which, with uh, Richard Ayawade, who is hilarious and I love him in IT crowd. And he's like, funny, he's great. This was a tone piece. It was just like, yeah, this game's going to be funny. We got jokes, it, but they didn't show anything as far as gameplay. So it's hard to be like, yay, Fable. It's just like, oh, yeah, cool. The sort of weird British sitcom shtick was weird. It was not, I guess I don't really know much about Fable outside of like uh, when I was like 10 and like my uncle played it on an Xbox and it was just like a fantasy game that I had never heard of because I didn't have an Xbox. I, I, it was like I was watching a like a one of those weird commercials where they're like cross, they'll do like a Skyrim X like NBA spot or something. And it's just this weird uncanny like, wait, what is how, Why is this? It was just very weird. And I was like, this is a video game. This is a fantasy game. And so I don't really know. I wasn't really into it. I thought it was, I was like, this is an interesting way to open the show. And I, I thought, yeah, this is what the rest of the showcase is going to be. I don't know if it's for me. What, what was the fucking point of this? Like I, Fable's not unique anymore in terms of being like, you know, kind of offbeat and slightly vulgar in its humor. Like I remember being in middle school and people were like, you can do this 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 move if you're like evil uh, uh, aligned called the vulgar thrust, and that was like oh my god you could do the vulgar thrust like who fucking cares <laughs> okay. like you could do anything in any game and there's a lot of quirky offbeat slightly vulgar uh, spaces out there that uh, frankly do it a lot better and I'm like why is the fucking guy from the IT crowd here love you you're hilarious but all you're telling me is okay we're gonna do that but I don't care like i why 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 did we get this at all why did we need this other than to like maybe calm investors down because i i I don't i don't understand what the point of this was no gameplay like what is this yeah maybe some parts that you could conceivably consider gameplay but like the highly guided uncharted style of gameplay where it's pressing press button to continue cutscene kind of thing where the the gals running through some fire uh yeah this was an announcement trailer for a game they've already announced so it's totally redundant. Uh, lots of angry people again in the live chat. Of course, angry that uh, you're going to be a woman supposedly and not be able to create your own character. I mean, of course, this this did not give us any gameplay. So there's really no basis for what this game is going to do or not do. But people were mad at the idea of like, I want this to be as non PC as possible, making me be a woman. Yada yada yada. Whatever. Shut the fuck up. I guess if the humor is on brand, sure. But I thought the whole, oh, the Age of Heroes is over or whatever. It was a little bit of like a, a little bit of a fuck you of like, hey, you know that thing you love? Well, we took their name and doing something different with it. it. It was very confusing. I think the most positive stuff I've seen are people like Nick, who's like, I never played Fable. This looks interesting. Yeah, like very measured, like, oh, yeah, okay, it could be. Right. And the Fable fans are like, what the fuck is this? Really quick on South of Midnight, Chris, did you see this trailer? I did not. Okay. 
Nick isn't sitting here, so I can't ask him. Uh, sort of a stop motion thing. Um, man playing some blues on a guitar. It, it, again, it's just like a reveal trailer CG. Uh, scary monsters magic. Oh, this is the Bayou one. That's like right. maybe vaguely Louisiana set. Yeah, uh, yeah. I read about it. I didn't see the trailer though. I watched the whole thing. I I saw all these trailers. EJ. <laughs> Great. Well, now you're here to tell us about what you thought about South of Midnight. Sorry, I had to pee. Um, South of Midnight again. Announcement trailer, but this time this is a game we didn't know about. So it's like this is totally fine. Yep. I am fine with the tone piece if it's from a studio we haven't heard from in a while for a game that we've never heard about. Um. Yeah, I like the style. It totally reminds, like you said, stop motion. It reminds me of like uh, the Leica movies uh, from that studio. They did uh, Kubo and stuff like that. Um, cool, like setting and vibes. Very unique uh, design aesthetic. Like this, this is a good designed visually a game. This is not like aping some other style. Like it's sort of a hodgepodge. It's got a, a very um, cohesive aesthetic behind it and that's really cool i love that i love the visual element of video games i mean that's like half of it uh the way you intake it so hell yeah like cool don't know when this game's ever coming out did they say a year you don't have a year on here it's just them saying hey this is the game we're making this is the thing maybe it's a hiring call it's uh say compulsion games they have not made a lot of games they did what contrast that was a launch game on ps4 and they did we happy few which was like Oh, that game looks really cool, but then it was like a whatever roguelike kind of thing. So what the game is, no idea, but it looks really nice. Good for them. So the big one of this showcase, outside of Starfield, obviously, which they dedicated an entire hour to, uh, but we got Star Wars Outlaws. Why didn't they show like anything good in the Xbox showcase? It was just bad quipping and like a completely trite bar fight thing. Money. And nothing about what the gameplay, like just show a single snippet of her doing a dog fight in space and like hiding behind cover and popping some like stormtroopers or whatever. Like just show like 30, like 10 seconds of gameplay. UB wanted it. <sighs> I'm just, I, I, I agree with you. I, I watched the teaser, uh, and was like, Oh good God. Like this is exhausting. Like this just looks dumb and bad. And like, we're just recycling through star Wars tropes and hoping that we make some more money. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, bar fights, bounty hunters, like, Jin Urso, like, again, we're doing this character again. I'm a scoundrel. I'm only looking out for myself. Oh, I've got to save the world. <sighs> Quite exhausting. And I, I, I still feel like getting a sort of look at the underbelly, no Jedi, no force, just, just being a person existing in this, like, crazy world while all these terrible things are going on with the Empire, like the period between Empire and Jedi is like, a, that's a really compelling couple of years. That's like a three-year gap where a lot of crazy right. shit is happening. Which they talked about on their own time and not in this Xbox showing. So it's like, they showed the worst part of it, the least compelling part of it, and just sort of like said, please be excited. It was just a bad preview for like a real preview that later would actually look actually cool and somewhat compelling. Like I thought I, I watched like five to 10 minutes of the actual like gameplay presentation that they did with Ubisoft today. And I was like, that looks pretty cool. Like they're doing a bunch of different things. What is this it? seems like a star Wars game where you're doing star Wars stuff. What do you do? Like what, what, what kind of game is it? It's a third person cover shooter. Oh yeah. fuck. And that. you got like space dog fights nope. and like open world stuff. Nope. Yeah. It's an open world game, a proper open world star Wars game. Cool. And it's like uncharted meets like 
Horizon. Made by the Division devs. So yeah, it's got like Horizon vibes to it. Like really strange locations and stuff. So you know what's funny is is like just a bunch of fucking trailers like this get most people really jacked. We're not most people, obviously. Like we want to see substance. Like after the Metroid Prime 4 splash screen, it was just kind of like, all right, we're done fucking like show me something or don't fucking show me something. You know what that I mean? That was the day it died. That was the day <laughs> it died for me that I was like, I never want to see anything that you cannot show me gameplay and give me a release window ever again. I'll still be excited if it if it warrants it, but like, oh, another Star Wars thing? Oh boy. Like we're not in that place. If it was a no. franchise that had been, you know, questionably alive, then sure. Like that could be an exciting announcement. To say, Hey, this is coming back. Like if they showed a Banjo Kazooie logo, I would pop. Like that's just the honest <laughs> truth. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, because there's no life, there's no life there. There's nothing right. saying like, yeah, there might be more star Wars. <laughs> you know, they're not gonna be cagey about that because they, we like, we all know, right. We get it. Or if this was like an elder Scrolls six, like a two minute proper, story trailer for like an elder scrolls where it's yep. like oh i would i'd be done great i'd be like we, we, exhausted 20 29 whatever but like yeah, you would like, still be excited oh because that's oh like a sign of life it's got a release right. window <laughs> so i will say there are a couple of interesting things uh after watching the gameplay i was like all right th- this is gonna probably be good this is an 80 you know but like do i do i need more of this like this the the star wars fan in me is is almost dead he's hanging on by a thread a thread named Cassian <laughs> and or season two is coming EJ. Hold on. I know. Hold I know. on a series that didn't need to be a series. That but is it still is, the best so piece of star Wars media ever made. Like it's astonishing, but it still should have been just one season anyway. <laughs> no, I, tr- I trust that it was planned. It was planned. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. Go on. Right. I, I'm just, I'm just kind of over, not kind of, I am so over the very surface level approach to what star Wars is. And just constantly fundamentally misunderstanding like what makes Star Wars great, what made it great in the 70s and 80s, what captured the imagination of fucking hundreds of millions of people and and catapulted it to like one of the greatest franchises in American history. And basically just looking at it and being like, okay, we're going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. This looks right. Boom, there's Star Wars. And it's over and over. Disney has just pumped out bullshit after bullshit after bullshit. They just don't understand the spirit of Star Wars. But it looks right, and so people are happy. And it's become so bastardized that either people are just Stockholmed into liking it, or they don't even know what Star Wars fucking even is in the first place. Or they're fans like you, Nick, where you're like, I enjoy Star Wars, but it's bad, which is like a fine place to be. Like You don't care enough, but you enjoy it fine, right? I feel like I'm in the best place to enjoy a franchise like Star Wars because <laughs> yeah. I can be right about it. <laughs> mm. And I don't have expectations like you somehow say you don't, but then you trick yourself into having <laughs> and you see Rise of you see freaking uh what was the 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 second sequel movie? Like you saw how many times do you see that in theaters? I mean, and it was a movie that you convinced yourself that you hated, but you still see the movie in theaters like Well, I saw so that, that's Force just Awakens an example. seven times in theaters recapturing the magic and the hype and the expectation and thinking, is this good? Did I like that? And then I saw the second movie twice and was like, nope, bad movie. And then I saw the last one once, tried to rewatch it on on Blu-ray like the week it came out, got like 20 minutes into it and was like, mm, nope. And that's the last, like Star Wars died to me. Like, it, that's it. That's all. I'm done. So anyway, this didn't really move me. But I will say, interesting, in the little cutscene, she meets a man named Jalen who is definitely Kyle fucking Katarn. 
And that is interesting to me. Okay, so when you say Kyle Katarn, I have zero differentiation between the, that name and the guy I know is from the N64 game, which is Dash Rendar, right? Dash Rendar is Han Solo's cousin, and he is a bounty hunter, right? See, when you say Kyle Katarn, I only see, like, oh, just another, like, uh, Han Solo-like. That's, that's, just the, that's the image that's summoned in my mind. Jedi Academy? Jedi Knight? Like, the Dark Forces protag? First appearance is in Dark Forces. Okay, so yes. And he is the protagonist. He's he is like the original like gray Jedi, like no longer a part of the order, or obviously uh in a post sixty-six uh world, exactly. Um but sort of the like, hey, I'm a badass with a lightsaber. I'm not a good guy. Uh, uh, he's like not like the punisher, not the anti-hero, but but like the term gray Jedi, like uh uh was sort of coined because of Kyle Katarn and uh and the Jedi Outcast games were fucking cool at the time. They don't hold up very well, but it looks exactly like Kyle Katarn, the exact same outfit. And part of me is like, that's fucking cool. What would they do with him? Is he gonna actually plot twist be one of the main characters of the game? But also, as much as we cry about like, do we just need to do Jedi, 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 Jedi? And we have a whole fucking game about goddamn Jedi. Can we do something different in this universe like we did with Andor? But on the other hand, I'm like, no, just bring me back the good things about the pre, like, canon nuke that Disney dropped, you know. Um, KOTOR 3. Stop it. But that'd be cool, right? If you saw a KOTOR 3 come up and it's, like, actually made by BioWare. Oh, uh, that's different. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's different. Uh, 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 <laughs> Chris has climaxed. Uh, anyway. Or even Obsidian. They actually have, like, budget because they're owned by Microsoft. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, right. Anyway, space fights look cool in the gameplay. That I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I want. Haven't had good Star Wars space fights in a long time. It looked like a perfectly cromulent uh, Western open world RPG. Yeah. Open world action adventure. I don't know what you call the, the video game. The video you game. You know, this is the video game. The ones that are most accessible and most profitable because they are the best and people like them. It's weird that it's taken this long for like a proper like open world Star Wars game, right? Like what's the closest you really get is Lego. Oh God. I mean, the, the closest you get is the Jedi games, even though those are not open world, they're like pseudo open world. You can kind of go where you want in between missions and you have a number of planets to choose from and you can explore like arenas with tunnels though. It's like a, those are like Metroidvanias. Yeah. It's no, I mean, we've never yeah. gotten one. I, we have never, uh, but that's the closest I would say. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Right after this, we got uh, one of our favorite Star Wars developers, Obsidian. And South Park developers, don't forget. And South Park, Stick of Truth. Uh, uh, Obsidian showed more of their game Avowed. Yeah, Skyrim 2. That's kind of what it looked like. Very <laughs> Skyrim-esque. I immediately texted the group chat. I just said, Wody 2024. Uh, I thought yeah, this I looked terrible. I don't get that vibe. That 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 is a very bold take, considering how bad we we know games can be <laughs> so i think this will be fine at worst like this is probably gonna be a good game obsidian doesn't make terrible games they've had trouble in the past with like not having the budget or the time to do something but i, I don't know if that's the case here I, I don't think so this isn't a this isn't a case of them working under bethesda working under microsoft and just still being shackled by bethesda's bad decision making like redfall sure. was Sure. This is like an indie dev 
that Microsoft bought and then has history with making really big triple A-ish kind of games. So I, I feel like they're going to nail it because they have a history of nailing it. Pentiment really positively reviewed last year. Certainly. Outer Worlds, which uh, I played a little bit, people really liked. Yeah, people liked that one. It was like a spacey fallout, and this is like more like their Elder Scrolls-y sort of. Uh, uh, not as, like, I don't, th- I don't see this game and think this is going to be as big game-wise as a Skyrim, but it, it certainly evokes that sort of uh, spell casting, the more, you know, swords and board kind of fantasy RPG. It looked generic to me. It was just sort of one of those like, yeah, run of the mill fantasy games, clearly aping Skyrim, which is a fucking 12 year old game at this point. You know, that's a fucking goddamn retro game. You know what I mean? It's it's just I'm like, yeah, I don't necessarily need this. It is the so it's the world of uh, pillars of eternity. Right. Which people love those games. I mean, they were Kickstarter games, I want to say, or not Kickstarter, but were they, Kickstarter? they might have been Kickstarter. I'm not sure. Because they're those were spiritual successors to the D&D games that they did back in the day similarly sort of to the tides of Numenera. I mean, there was like a whole cottage ind- industry of, Hey, you remember that D and D game from 1999? Well, we made that game and we want to make another game that's like that game, but not D and D because we cannot secure that license because Hasbro is Hasbro. Uh, yeah, there was like a dozen of those in the past, like 10 years or so. I think Larian is another studio that is like, that is the the genre of game that they cut their teeth on. Now they're making Baldur's Gate 3, which seems like that's going to be another goatee contender kind of game. So, yeah, I mean, it being part of the Pillars world seems like cool, fine for them. For them, right, for a yeah. very small niche. There were some rumblings that this might be a co-op game. I think they would show that by now if that was like well, the case. Yeah, that's what we thought. Like that, without, you, you would think this would have been the place to do it, Maybe it was originally planned, like these these rumblings come from somewhere. So maybe it was in development and they couldn't figure it out or they're still trying to figure it out or they scrapped it halfway through. But to me, if it's like you're going to take, if you're going to do a generic Elder Scrolls game and you want it to be popular, make it fucking multiplayer. That's the one thing, dude. The, the All the different co-op mods for Skyrim, they just don't quite work properly. Because the game doesn't. Because the game doesn't, uh, or it certainly didn't. That's enough about that. See you, thieves, bro. When the music came on, on, I was like, "Yo, that's that makes so much sense." I mean, come on, come on, dude. It, uh, of course, they they did do Pirates of the Caribbean before they got to the good stuff, but that was before Monkey Allen came back. So, I mean, it makes sense that this would that's fair, uh, like happen after the fact. I don't know how this is gonna play out. Like the Sea of Thieves, like narrative content is not exactly anything to write home about. It's just more of an excuse no, to. It's like. It's like MMO expansion level of like, oh, we do the fun story and like we get the recurring drops and it's just part of the cycle. But it'll be fun to see some of these characters and face off against LeChuck. LeChuck. You know, that, that'll that be fun. <laughs> that's that's fun. Monkey Island is, the, yeah, you say the music kicks in and you're just like, fuck, dude. Like it's got the vibes is there. And it, this game already has those vibes. Like the whimsical, like over the top, cartoony, just it's pirate comedy. It's the it's yeah. the match made in heaven. It's just fucking great. So this was like July. It's like soon. It's imminent. Oh, cool. It might be a good reason to get back into Sea of Thieves, which we keep trying to do. Like you want to, like the, our play group wants to recapture the magic of getting back in together and just like grinding loot for as many hours as we can. You can never really go back home. I'm happy for y'all. Happy for y'all. Flight Sim 2024, Microsoft. I didn't know this was going to be a sequel. I thought this was like, oh, another huge expansion from Flight Sim. But no, then they said 2024. 
I was like, damn. A proper sequel. There's so many people who are just obsessed with like the search and rescue and like firefighter, like like a uh, firefight, like the planes that fight fires. I don't know if there's like a specific term for it, but like that that is like a cottage industry that is huge beyond belief. And it is the stuff that kids absolutely love as well. This is this is gonna be big. I mean Flight Sim seemed like it was going to be huge last time. I don't know how huge it really got, but like this is going to be big. It reviewed spectacularly. People love those games. Uh, the last one in 2020? Yeah, 2020. Did really well. I have a friend who's like total amateur pilot, like obsessed. Like he's full on Sims. Like just, it's crazy how people real, get into Real these. flights, like real time flights where he's doing, oh, I have to, I'm going to go home and do a six hour flight. Yeah, it's you crazy, know? dude. Really worried about my fuel consumption. I'm really concerned about my fuel consumption. Right. Good good reference. Seriously, though, people get obsessed. But, Chris, did you see the fucking Dune DLC flying the goddamn dragonflies? <laughs> Dune. Ornithopters. Oh, my God. That was one of my favorite things about the 2021 Dune is that they got the look and feel of the crafts in that universe so fucking precisely and they always talked about them in the books as being like dragonflies the ornithopters specifically and then they just consistently kept getting fucked up every time this got adapted which is you know two times but whatever um it's weird that it happened twice though it is so <laughs> weird that it's literally like they're like dragonflies with oscillating wings and it took denis Villeneuve finally to be like what if we did what the book said and then they did what the book said and it was amazing preposterous it's it never such work. a cool like, who is this for? I mean, this is like even more niche than niche, but I'm so glad this exists. <laughs> Dude, it's for flight sickos. They know their audience. We got after Microsoft Flight Sim, we got a little bit of uh, Senua 2, uh, where the actor came out and talked about the game. This is kind of where I checked out a little bit because I'm not terribly interested in that game, but it looked like more of, of that game. Yeah, another another tone piece. Like I said, I mean, they'd already shown like an actual gameplay combat section before. Not on like a big stage, I don't think. I feel like that's like a dev diary kind of thing. I wish they would have shown like a new combat thing, something more exciting. Like, don't come and show me your game unless you have something to say about it. And they just said next year, I think, maybe like tentative. But I don't believe them. It's it's one of those things where they say 2024. I'm like, okay, hon, like, sure. You can believe that and try and make me believe that, but I can I, you believe I drafted this game in 2022? Yeah, that was stupid of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Honestly, it I, I I would have said the same thing about, and I did say the same thing on this podcast about uh, about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth that I was like, yeah, late 23, sure, winter 23, yeah, or totally, absolutely, and it's still coming out in the winter, even though it's coming out in 2024, so. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, they never said 2023. They just said next winter. So, I mean, there you go. They're right they on schedule, which is crazy. They probably <laughs> it'll probably them. be a February release. That's that's my my money is February. All right, EJ, can we talk about Ichiban's like sick cheeks for just a minute? Why are there so many Yakuza games every time I turn around? What I don't understand. Well, half of them, more than half of them, have been remakes. Yes, so. yes, yes. That's true. Under the new "Like a Dragon" uh, moniker. Yeah, which. <sighs> I mean, I know that's the name of the studio and that's the name of the series in Japan, but like it's it's Yakuza. Come on. It's so much more fun to say. It's it's more iconic in my mind. But yeah, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, the hilarious subtitle okay. to this. Like a Dragon 8, 
uh, coming next year. They are so consistent. The studio is just like up there with the studios that like, hey, every couple of years, you're going to get something that you like. And in between then, you're going to get something else that you like. That is something that we made a long time ago, but never got the love because I don't know why. Like Suddenly, the tides have churned and everyone actually likes this. So, yeah, we'll remake Like a Dragon Ishin and it'll get a plus 80 on Open Critic and Metacritic and the fans will go wild and they will continually go wild for the rest of eternity because they have a backlog that they'll continually mine for more content and remakes galore and side side games galore because there's like another Yakuza like a dragon game coming out like later this year <laughs> and there's already one that came out earlier this year yeah, the so. man from uncle or whatever the fuck it's called the man who erased his name yeah same thing yeah that's kurosawa as fuck i tell you this teaser sure teased me it's cool because all the like a dragon yakuza games are heavily heavily focused around being in japan and here's the main character of the previous game washing up on a beach that is clearly English speaking because he is speaking Japanese with subtitles and everyone around him is like, yeah, dude, hang loose because he's naked, which is like the joke. That's the joke. He's naked. It's funny. Yeah. So is this going to take place like in a known American city? Is this Florida? Is this like California? What's happening? It's probably California because, you know, Pacific Ocean, maybe Hawaii. But that is to say different location. That's cool. I feel like I should play the the previous entry because it was a RPG ass RPG and like full of Dragon Quest references because the combat system is based around the dude being obsessed with dragon quest so he sees his combat experiences as being like turn-based that's <laughs> and so you summon dudes cool. like that's make so friends cool. with a, a delivery driver so you can use him as a summon like instead of a meteor or like ultima you're summoning a crab man who delivers crab to you and then you throw the crab at your enemy like it's just absurd great fun high stakes like melodrama mixed with like absurd comedy so I respect it from a distance. I get why people like it. That's yeah, that's interesting. Well, after Yakuza, we got Kunitsugami, Path of the Goddess. Don't no clue what this is. Looks cool. Looks like a cool little throwback, uh, very far camera sort of uh, action game. PS2 vibes. I thought it was like a return to Onimusha at first because I saw the Capcom logo and like a lot of iconography and visual language of like. Oni and Kami and very uh, spiritual, mystic uh, Japanese mythology kind of stuff, but maybe a little bit more on the Okami side as far as the very flashy kind of nature of it. But man, Capcom games look so fucking good. After that was Forza. Checked which, out. Yeah, completely. Other than we got a date, which is 10-10. Great. Figured this was coming this year, but bodes well for my <laughs> for holding on to what is sure to be a very shaky lead. Uh, once Nick clenching cheeks, worried about up. that. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Come on. So hopefully that's an easy ninety. Overwatch two. Please forgive us. <laughs> didn't yeah, I didn't pay attention to this. You you texted us in the group chat about it, and I was like, this ship has sailed. Great. None of us have really played that. Uh, Persona four. Tactica. Persona 5 Tactica. Persona 5 Tactica. See? Which leaked beforehand by Atlas themselves on Instagram. Bit of a... Wait, are you... Uh, did we skip... Re, did we skip Persona 3 Reloaded? Well, let's just put all the Atlas stuff into one little bucket here. So, Persona 5 Tactica is the chibi uh, strategy RPG spinoff. Yep. Coming this year, Persona 3 Reload is the fully like ground-up remake of Persona 3. It's coming next year. Chris, you're excited about that. You never got to play 
Persona 3, but you've been this is a series that you've wanted to jump into and this seems like this is going to be your your on point, right? Oh yeah, I've never played any of them and I've always wanted to. I have some friends that still Persona 3 is like their favorite game ever. Uh, but there's no good way to replay it. They did the releases of the uh, P3P, the the PSP port of Persona 3 and Persona 4 Golden, which was the Vita port of Persona 4. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah. And the re- the uh, remake, remaster, update rumors were swirling. So I kind of sat back and really, really validated in that uh, decision now. Yeah, it just seems like something that I'm really going to like. And I know it's uh, I hear that three kind of has a, a darker tone uh, than four and certainly five do, um, which I love. Uh, but I could go for some just like really good JRPG Kino, honestly. And this seems like as good a time as any to do that. Although we don't know for sure if it's coming to anything other than xbox it hasn't been confirmed for anything other than xbox i'm assuming it will it's on everything yeah yeah you can already pre uh, pre-order the switch version and stuff like that i think i shared that in the in one of the discords i'm pretty sure it was persona 3 reload that had that um that, that's great it's weird after this announcement they did confirm that it is not like a best of is not like oh we took the added content from fez and from p3p and they put that in there too it's like no this is just the base game persona 3 remade and getting it more of that like persona five vibe with like the running around the schools and like the different locations and um, having your confidant status and everything. So I wonder how that's going to sort of um, bode in the, the pantheon of persona threes. Where is this going to sit? Like, is this going to be the de facto like, Oh no, disregard everything else that you have to play this one. Or is it going to be another complicated entry into a series in which the fans are like, well, if you want to have the full experience, you got to play this one and then you got to play this like little epilogue part and then you got to play, you know, the the female protagonist side over here and blah blah blah. Like that's so annoying, dude. Like just make a a remake that is what the fans want, but also a safe entry point for a newcomer because there's always going to be newcomers with a I mean, sure, Persona 5 was huge, but there's always going to be newcomers to a niche highly Japanese RPG like series. Really quick before we get out of Atlas, I did want to say that metaphor refantasia looks really cool big fan of that style i don't even know what that is it was the other atlas game that they announced that's not a persona game but looks like a persona game because it's made by the persona people i must have been making lunch at this point yeah so like persona and shin megami tensei are very they're like monster collectors so a lot of what you're doing is fusing and combining and like really just hanging out in menus for a lot of it and that's can be gratifying but it can also be tiring so i'm hoping I mean, it's hard to tell because they showed this game. I don't even know if it's coming out next year, if it's actually going to come out next year, what's happening. But I'm hoping that it's more just like a strict, here's your party and you level them up and they get new moves and you're not hanging out in menus so goddamn much. That's been mostly the boner killer for me in the uh, SMT oeuvre. Before we jump to Starfield here, I kind of want to just end with Starfield and deep dive on that a little bit. Um, so, So they showed a Cyberpunk DLC, which... Seems very big. A lot of changes. Yeah, I can't really speak to it. Haven't played Cyberpunk. But but what people have been saying today after some hands-on with it is that it seems that this is a complete overhaul of like graphically of the systems. Like it is by all accounts salvaging a game that needed several more years uh, in the oven like we've talked about. And that's cool that, I mean, it, it's not cool that a company, probably some investors forced them to hurry this game along. And the game suffered for it 
pretty dramatically, but it's cool that they suck with it. Uh, and they believe in it. Obviously they are not just doing the safe thing, slapping Keanu Reeves in some new easy story content, but they are, you know, trying to, to figure out what worked and what didn't work about this game. And, you know, in 2026, when we get the definitive edition with the remaster or whatever it is, um, it's gonna be a really fucking cool game. So that's great. People have been happy with it. Before we get to Starfield, is there anything from Ubisoft or Capcom that we want to touch on? I have just some of the, the highlights written down, but more Skull and Bones, whatever. Chris, have you seen anything about the Assassin's Creed uh, as our resident Mirage AC seems like fan? a total like, throwback to like OG 2 and totally. the, the 2 trilogy, honestly. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in like eight years. Well, they haven't really been Assassin's Creed games for the last eight years, so that's understandable. But being that this is the throwback to sort of the the roots of the franchise, you know, the Assassin's Creed we got for a decade. So they have Assassin's Creed Nexus, which is the VR. They have AC Jade, which is the mobile game. And then Mirage, obviously, being the next mainline game that's coming out. And that also got a date before today. The date's been out for a little while, right? October 12th. Yeah. So uh, we talked Outlaws. Um, Capcom today, new Ace Attorney game. That was not a remaster, correct? That's a, a brand new game. Wait, what the no, fuck? No, it's a remaster trilogy. Wait, oh, what? okay, the remaster trilogy. Apollo. Yo, I can stop playing these fucking games on my phone and wait until they come to <laughs> Switch. Yes. Yeah, like, what, Dual Destinies and Apollo Justice. Yeah, yeah Apollo Justice, Dual Destinies, Apollo and uh, uh, Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice. Yeah, I have I haven't done Spirit of Justice yet. I did like part of the first chapter on my phone. I did all of uh, Dual Destinies on my phone, or vice versa, whichever Dude, one is the so middle. It's so weird how these games sell so well like the remakes like over a million sellers like it does not seem like the visual novel you know freaking attorney game would be the games that break a million but this freaking uh mega man battle network also broke a million really quickly it's like damn man, really hungry for these weird niche games yeah for sure well at some point it's just there's so many consoles out there anything's gonna sell decently if the marketing cycles okay this is great. You know? I'll own all. I'll be able to own all eight of these games uh, on my Switch. That's fucking fantastic. I didn't see anything from Capcom. I've been at work all day. I got on the bus. I read on the bus. So I was do. I was reading, reading my Brandon Sanderson, and got home and jumped on this. So I have no idea what they talked about at Capcom or Ubisoft. Oh, there was a gameplay deep dive. Uh, EJ, I'll watch that later. On on what? Uh, Dragon's Dogma Two. Oh, yeah. Well, I Like I said, I was skipping through it right before we recorded. So. But yeah, besides that, oh, uh, Chris, because you haven't played this game before, but there's also a Ghost Trick demo that is available right now. Oh, cool. Thank you. And then a mobile game that's coming to mobile games again. Yeah, the Mega An Man. Online version of the online game. Yeah. Which the music and the art for Dive is actually like really tight, but it is. And it's such a bummer that it's like just a mobile ass mobile game. Yeah. So. So what what is the Mega Man thing from today? I was told there was Mega Man. It's the thing. Oh, well, yeah, it's the thing I just th talked about. So Mega Man X Dive was a mobile game that came out not last oh, year. Oh, they're bringing ago. that to consoles? No, no, no. So they're shutting it down, but they're making an offline version that is still on phones. Oh, that sucks. So, you know, whatever. And they showed some gameplay and like the gameplay didn't seem like it'd be very exciting to play on a console anyway, because it's so slow and like has to be for a phone. But whatever. The music's ripping. I love the music in that game, but. Sadly, it's not a game. It's a mobile game. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's really depressing. I thought I was getting some Mega Man news. Ah, oh, no, I wish. All right. Starfield. The highlight of the weekend. 
showed us a lot of this game, and it looked pretty impressive. I don't even know where to begin here, other than y'all were making jokes in the group chat about what it what it looked like comparing it to No Man's Sky, um, which you know obviously been talking about for ages. But yeah, I don't I don't know, Chris. You texted me and said that you know you're seriously considering that that uh, new uh, terabyte. Series S that they announced uh, just for this game. Thankfully, I have a PC, so so this will be a Game Pass day one, uh, and it, hopefully, fingers crossed, it runs on PC to some degree, and whatever doesn't work, the modding com- community will f- quickly figure out. No, I am. I'm. I and I knew this was going to happen when they actually gave us like a really good look at what this game looked like. That I was going to be like, this is a certified fucking hood classic from Bethesda. I'm going to need it. It looks great. Like, oh my God, they clearly brought people in to work on the gunplay because the gunplay looks unbelievable. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But the bottom line is like, yes, I, I'm i considering a machine specifically for which to play this game, but I have to get serious with myself a little bit and be like, do I really, really want to buy a console for one game? Especially because of the principle of you know, Microsoft just vacuuming up studios to try to get people to do exactly what I am now considering doing. And I, I feel, I feel gross about that. So that's a weird thing. We want people to make good games, but they need to like acquire studios to enable these people to, to, you know, make games uninhibited. Microsoft didn't need to make this game. Like they could have made money on to make any games. Well, I'm saying Microsoft specifically did not need to buy Bethesda to make this game. Like they could have carried it on Xbox and made plenty of money and cut a deal for for Game Pass, you know, day and date uh, and made money on subs that way. Uh, But I just, yeah, I don't know. God, I want to play this game, but I don't know if I want to play it that badly, but it looks really fucking good. I don't know. The entire hour long or whatever showcase was basically a step by step introduction to what a Bethesda game is for people who apparently don't know. Uh, But there was a couple of standout things. The biggest questions I have about it and I have had about it, and this didn't really answer those questions is how immersive is this world going to be given that so much of it will be procedurally generated and, you know, a thousand planets to explore, you know, how, how much is there really going to be to explore? It's like, Oh, you land on a planet but you're just mining the same three resources, doing the No Man's Sky thing. Then you, you leave after 10 minutes. There's not really anything to do there. I'm still concerned about that, but but I don't know. Chris, what did you think about this? Well, just with regards, like we joke about, I said No Man's Starfield and Nick immediately one up to me with like No Man's Skyrim has literally been sitting there and you, <laughs> and you fucked it up. And I did. I fucked it up. It's so um, good. It's so good. Uh, yeah, the base building, the outpost building thing specifically, I was like, this is some No Man's Sky as No Man's Sky shit, like right from the Atlas update. And I was like, I'm super glad they stole that because it was a great feature. Um, No Man's has way more to do than you think. Um, I don't want to call them like radiant quests because a lot of those in Skyrim were just like, go get my helm for me from this cave you've already explored twice. Uh, but there are a lot of distinct people to talk to. You could learn like language fragments from different species, which would help you communicate with them in the future. They were like big towers and shit. Like there was stuff to do and they all had uh, distinct uh, flora and fauna, all of which they could be scanned. You know, I love scanning shit. Um, 
as you tool around the spaceship. And then yes, ultimately you're looking for like some very specific resources. You need to make fuel. Uh, you need to get um, specific kinds of like sell really well. If you're trying to save up for like a bigger ship or whatever, uh, I would imagine that by way of Bethesda, there's gotta be some kind of like a procedurally generated um, quest system where there are things to do that will lead you to a lot of the like major features on the planet uh otherwise yeah it gonna it gonna feel really big and it gonna feel really empty so like is it is this going to be breath of the wild or is this going to be tears of the kingdom is this galaxy going to be lived in or is it going to be you can gain some joy of discovery from what's there but largely it's the experience of isolation i don't know i think to be successful they have to do both like there has to be planets that are and they've already said like yeah there's gonna be planets that are empty and there'll be planets that are habitated be Habitated? Is that even a word? They're ha- inhabited. Inha- inhabited. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had a little stroke there. I think you're um, inebritated. <laughs> inebritated. Uh, I think the thing that I walked away from this showcase was, hey, they made the shooting look good. Yeah. And that's a, that's a thing that Bethesda's never done well. So congrats. Like, that's really the only thing I would have asked for were I interested in this game whatsoever. But good for y'all. Get a game that plays well. Maybe people underestimate like how important good gunplay is. You think destiny would have the legs it had right now? We don't underestimate it. Cause we know the gunplay is the only thing that carries that fucking bloated abomination of a game, you know? Yeah. But, but I mean, Bethesda hasn't really, they haven't made shooters before fallout is not a shooter. Just no. because you have a gun doesn't mean that it's a shooter, but this seems like it's actually a shooter. So like, that seems like if they're going to lean into it, they should make it good. And it looks good. It looks great. Yeah, they they showed a lot from the character creator, uh, and they're kind of doing the kind of a hybrid of, of of a classic sort of Bethesda system mixed with a little bit of the uh, Mass Effect sort of like choose your background, and that'll impact sort of how your build starts. Can we just please just say that the beards look so awful? Why do video game beards have to look so bad? They don't have to. They don't have to. We have the technology. Do we? It's the current year. Name 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 a game that does hair well. Dude, Guybrush Threepwood's hair and his beard in that Sea of Thieves update video look nice. It, lo- the it looked the absurdly like- cartoonish. Like yes, I'm just saying, make it look like hair. It looked like one <laughs> solid piece of of but hair make flesh. It look like the same kind of hair that's on top of the head, but below. Don't make it look like you just glued little hair pieces but that's not what beards, onto the that's chin. Not what beards look like look at the difference in the texture between the hair on my head and the hair on my chin like and look at a look at the bethesda what they showed as beards it looks horrendous it's the worst looking thing i've seen in a long time i agree it looks bad we can do better and we should we should expect better <laughs> this is your hill to die on digital beards i respect it this is my one hill <laughs> let me have it <laughs> chris is there any other systems that you saw that stuck out to you that you were like Wow, that that's impressive. Well, I got in like mid base building and watched the gunplay, and that's all I got. Um, but the gunplay looked fucking great, and I know there was a rumor they brought in the id software guys uh to work on the gunplay, and I don't know if that'll be confirmed, but it uh, they already denied that. They said that they did some consulting, but that they had id help with like textures and stuff. 
Hmm. Well, whatever they did, I don't give a shit. It looks great. Um, the customization yeah, yeah. options, the way that the crafting works, uh, to really get a build that feels good for you, even in like Mass Effect, like the guns always felt like Halo guns, basically, where it's like you kind of just cycle through whatever's available, and they all kind of feel a little bit different, but they all basically do the same thing and. This feels like an honest to God, like the gun is the weapon and that is what matters American RPG, which I've never experienced something that does that well. Destiny kind of, but it's not, it's, it's not an American RPG. It's an MMO. You know what I mean? Um, so it's a whole different set of like customization system and drops and what is Zir going to have this week and shit like that. Um, no, I mean, I, it looks thrilling. Like the combat looks really, really interesting it's so extra that your guns will like recoil you in zero G, but I love that. Like, I can't wait to see the shit that people do with like flipping themselves over and upside down and just doming people like in 360 degree space. Like it's going to be cool. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of clips from that guy on Twitter that does all the, the cool slow motion action combat clips. It's SUNY legend. Uh, good follow. Um, yeah. Especially with the, the low, no grav, with the ballistic weapon specifically that actually gives you propulsion backwards. I haven't played uh Fallout. So I don't know if they what the companion system looks like in that game if they even have one, I'm not sure. Yes. So is it just like single companion the way that like an Elder Scrolls is where you just have like one person following at any given time? Pretty sure, yeah. I've only watched people play Fallout, but that's been the vibe that I've gotten. So this, you know, you're you're sort of putting together your fucking Motley crew in this game. Right, and like you're going to assign them to your outposts to give a buff, like plus five to mining or whatever. Right, Very, right. you know, RPG, like classic RPG kind of vibes. I, I hope they don't lean too far into the mining thing. I, I think I'm a little bit tired of sort of the post No Man's Sky. Like, you know, I'm just like, oh, go scan the wildlife. And like, you know, I played Starlink, Battle Flatless. Like, I did all that too. It's just, I, you know, I'm a little... A little over it, so um, I hope that is more like optional content than mission critical. I think it will be. But Chris, you said it like is this going to be you know Breath of the Wild versus Tears of the Kingdom, and how is this whole thing going to come together? And in a world that touts itself as being so expansive, you know, how is that going to? Like, where is the cohesion going to come from? You know, and even even in Zelda, there are moments I'll be doing something for a long, you know, an eight or ten hour stretch. I've been playing a totally different game right now. Like I need to get back on on track here. And the bigger a game is, uh, the less focus it has. And and I think that can be a little uh, obnoxious for me personally. I just I don't need bigger games. I I, need, I want more focused games. That's that's me. I don't know. What are you talking about? I'm playing a completely different game. Like that is the game. Like the things that are in the game are the game. And that's what's beautiful about something that is as large as uh, Tears of the Kingdom is that everything you do is you're playing the game like I could get lost in the depths for literally days at a time and absolutely love every second that I'm down there and want to like clear out every little encampment to get more zonite so I can increase my battery and like finding like gloomed out versions of the bosses and trying to like test myself fighting a silver gloom Lionel with armor on and you know I finding repeat bosses in the depths I'm like damn this is cool is this the game if you're just trying to beat the game no, sure, I guess. But like, that is the game. I think the big question is like, is the content in all of these worlds going to be bespoke or is it going to be part of the procedurally generated landscape where you have like 
four different kinds of quests that you do over and over and over again. Four is a little like pejorative. It's probably not going to be four, but at a certain amount of time, I'm sure we're going to go, Oh, this is all of the stuff that they do in these quests in these worlds. Oh no, I see the hamster wheel, but how long is it, it going to take fun? There's a hundred different dudes holding signs all around Hyrule. You don't have to do all of them, but just do the ones that if it, if it tickles your fancy, you run by that guy. You're like, I'm going to help them. Hold that sign up. That's the fun. If Starfield has stuff like that, if it has little fun distractions that are like micro quests that build up to a macro quest, like it's it's good to have the variety. And I think I think Bethesda is competent enough to be able to pull that off. But whether or not it like holds the attention for like a grand sweeping epic is maybe a different ask. It seems like, yeah, I, I don't know how many planets are in this game, but like, did it did it need to have that many planets? Like, would the game be worse if there was less? Like, I don't I don't know. I'm kind of with you, EJ. I do like a more focused game generally, but there are these crater uh, creating games like Breath of the Wild was or like Tears of the Kingdom is that are like I could play them for countless number of hours, but I do still really value the smaller, you know, 10 to 15 hour experiences. So mm-hmm. I don't know if bethesda is ever going to do something like that though like can you imagine the guys who brought you fallout and skyrim and starfield doing a like 10 to 15 hour what would it be what would they even make what would you want from them it's just funny like skyrim is just downright paltry compared to what you know gta 5 and witcher 3 and the zelda games and horizon i mean all these they just get bigger and bigger and it's just and, and even even in the Starfield Direct, you know what uh, Todd Howard does the um, you see that moon over there? You could actually go to that moon, and it's sort of the Skyrim bit. It's like okay, fun. Like where do we? If, does it need to get bigger every time? You know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it looks very polished, which of course they're not going to show you some broken down piece of shit. And no delays. No delays. We were, we were, I was bracing because my league, well, not another delay at least. My league hopes yeah. are, on, are on life support. And I was like, I need this game to come out this year and I need it to be really fucking good. And it looks really fucking good. And it's not, it didn't get delayed again. And I don't think it's going to get delayed again at this point. We're too close. We're too close. There were a lot yeah, of, I think you're safe. A lot of jokes online this week about the QA team. You know, this is such a massive game and, and yada, yada. And, you know, I'm thinking like, Guys, I mean, it would be a bloody goddamn shock if 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 the company and the game that comes in and breaks this curse that we have been living through with games de- launching, you know, half baked and and broken and you know buggy and glitchy. Like if it's Bethesda with Starfield, I'll eat a fucking shoe. Uh, uh, uh two shoes right next to my fucking crime boss, Rock K City shoe. I'll eat the fucking Starfield shoe. I'll you know we'll be feasting. But goddamn, I mean. People people have expectations now. Not that they didn't before, but now this is like people are expecting a lot. And if this launches like fucking cyberpunk, that is going to I don't know what it's going to do. People are already crying and complaining about 30 frames per second and whatever. Like that was to be expected. Both the the frame rate and the reaction. The frame rate thing, there is a conversation there. It's ridiculous that is is games why is this still the target? But the game looks a lot better than when they last showed it. I don't know if you saw any of the screenshots comparing them side by side, but I'm like, wow, this game had a glow up, which usually it's the opposite. Anything else? Anything that uh, you, you, Nick, that you want to touch on before we bounce out of here? Uh, I mean, it's cool to get all these showcases, and it seems like they've been pretty good, mostly. 
Um, it's still a bummer not to have a Nintendo thing imminent or known about. I mean, they still could, whatever, but I would like to know what's happening on my Switch uh, the second half of this year. Like, I'm yes, I already pre-ordered Pikmin. I'm going to be playing that game. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. But beyond that, what have I got? September, man. It's it's probably not coming until September. I think they just do. What are they doing? It's like two months. months of quiet after Pikmin, though. That's that's. No, I know. I, know. I just it just feels right. I I they didn't Maybe do some a, drops. They didn't do a over. summer thing last year, so I don't know why we expect one this year. No, there was no summer thing last year for. I don't know what did they put out last year. I forget what's the year. I don't. But they they did not have a like June. Or July or August, I think, even uh, direct. Maybe like a partner one, but anyway, that's just my takeaway. Like, yeah, cool. Games are happening. Still want Nintendo, though. Never, never satisfied. It's got to be, it's got to be a new console. It's got, I just, there is, there is like nothing. There is like nothing on the release calendar after July at all. That's wild. Pokemon DLC, and that's it. We're winding down, man. Switch Pro, imminent. Wind Waker HD, never happening. I thought about that last night again. Man, with all the Zelda hype right now, like they could put that out uh, for a holiday release. They're saving it for the Zelda movie. We could talk about that. <laughs> no, my no, God. We're two no. hours in. No. We're two hours in. We can do Zelda movie and N64 discussion and whatever else next fan week. casting. Oh, my gosh. Jake Gyllenhaal. Danny DeVito is Ganondorf. I started slashing. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's fucking two hours of goddamn games. It's been a long couple of days. Is it over? Hopefully. Wake me up when Nintendo has something to say. Um, I think there's supposed to be, there's something tomorrow. I think there's like extended hands or not hands on, but you know what I mean? Like extended gameplay stuff from Xbox tomorrow. And then I don't know what else is Squeenix doing a dedicated show. I mean, what would they, I mean, they could, but what would it be? It would just be like the same trailers for 16 and seven and, foam stars and that's it you know well tactics remaster uh remake remaster has been swirling for a that's long something time that they'll announce like a month before it comes out and that's like not till later uh that's nine remake 10 remake like there's like tons of smoke coming out of squeenix like rumor wise that they could just be like hey guess what's coming next year because they just are they're 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 rolling into a heater right now, and I, f- I feel like they should strike while the anvil's hot and give us some more news. Well, guys, the Denver Nuggets are your 2023 NBA champions. Yeah, Jimmy had a little 8-0 run in that fourth quarter and brought them back from the brink, and then they just could not hit a shot in the last like minute and a half. He had coughed the ball up, coughed the ball up down one. It was a very close game, but I uh, I'm glad that I wasn't sitting here invested in it, screaming on Discord with a bunch of other depressed idiots because going through all that stress just to lose in the end on a Jimmy turnover, I would be my blood pressure right now. So, um, anyway, You're welcome EJ. I did this for you. Yeah. yeah. Console Crusade podcast. Catch us next week.